0: If the weight starts stalling or they're not dropping weight anymore, that's when I'll say, right, okay, it's either a matter of titrating the protein down or up or titrating the fats up or down.
1: Hello carnivores and welcome to session number 10. We're going to discuss whether to pull from dietary fat or protein when cutting in an effort to reduce stubborn body fat. Before we do, our podcast review of the week is from LT. And that was really insightful. So glad to have found a channel that focuses on composition and how to tweak. Great peppering of case studies of both the average person and the elite. I'm um, unlearning exercise as we've been programmed to believe. All your advice makes total sense and well explained. Less is more on cardio, got it. That's been a hard lesson for me. Love the ankle weight, shorter to walk tips. Jonathan, the egg yolks. Yes, my body was craving them and just the yolks. Colt, great point on mindset and I'm really enjoying your Wim Hof recommendation, having recently purchased his book. Thank you LT, Um, all ratings and reviews do help to grow the channel organically and we appreciate the support. So I'm glad our advice is um, certainly helping you, so I appreciate that. All right, let's jump into the topic for today. Uh, We'd like to thank Stephanie for asking the question, why do some people in the low carb space titrate their protein so low? Um, So Coach Colt, how would you answer this question?
2: Yeah, very, very good question. So I think this is something that a lot of us as bodybuilders just have ingrained into our heads is that the more protein, the better. And especially if you're cutting on like a high carb diet, and you're concerned about your satiety signals, um, you're looking for that fullness, you're looking for that recovery. and And you think that more is better. And when you're bulking, great. Yeah, you can get away with it without having too many problems. When you push your protein up higher than what your lean body mass is Uh, when you're cutting. I always recommend using your lean body mass as a ballpark, and that'll depend on the person. It's a moving target. And so uh, if we have someone that is um, 130 pounds and they have a lean body mass of 105 pounds, then I would shoot for 105 grams of protein and then keep the fats higher than that when you're cutting. Um, If you're doing a lean bulk, Great. I would say, follow, just follow your satiety signals. You really don't even need to track. Just eat protein and fat to satiety. And um, I, would, I would suggest weighing them out if you find that helpful. I certainly find it helpful when I'm doing a lean bulk. Um, I need to have some sort of a ballpark to, to know where I'm at. Um, and I like to have my protein a little higher than my actual body weight when I'm doing that. But if my goal is to burn body fat, then I want that number very, very low. And the reason is because any extra protein over what my body needs to be able to recover and hold on to the muscle mass that it has is only gonna be my lean body mass. And so anything extra is gonna get converted to um, glycogen through a process called gluconeogenesis, which isn't necessarily the end of the world, but then you start getting more similar to a high carb diet and you start seeing a lot of the same signs like the insulin spike and um, everything else that comes along with it. Um, being hungry right after a workout, um, I find that I have better uh, satiety signals throughout the day and I can uh, be more in tune with my own satiety if I'm keeping my protein within a reasonable amount and not getting too carried away with it. And my fat is always, always, always higher than my protein personally I've trained some people that do great with having half the amount of uh, fat as they do protein I'm not one of those guys as far as I know Robert Sykes um he 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 does it the exact same way too which is kind of where I got this protocol from was going through his books but he um he 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 gets a lot of crap actually in the in, in the low carb community for how low he goes with his protein um, uh, but he never stays that low for very long when, when it, when it gets really low is when it gets close to a show for him. And, uh, but, but, but he, but he keeps those fats high, right? What does everybody do when they get close to a bodybuilding show? What do most bodybuilders do? They take out all the egg yolks and they leave the egg whites in if you're eating eggs, which most people are in contest prep. <laughs> uh, I recommend doing the opposite. I recommend keeping the egg yellows in keeping the yolks in and going at the way with the whites. I know Mark, you're allergic to them, so you, know, you can forget everything that I just said. But other than that, <laughs> um, I try to keep the. I always try to keep the fats higher, uh, especially with the health-first bodybuilding approach. You want your your hormones are your lifeblood, and you need and, and you and you can't take that macronutrient away. Fat does not equal body fat. Um, well, I guess it kind of does. We'll talk more. We're, we're talking off the off the air um, about 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 my diet. And maybe some changes that need to take place. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, 90% of the time when, when someone's goal is to get down past that stubborn body fat, like you got some love handles that won't go away or, um, something that you're working on, on, on your physique, it might be a competition. It might be a photo shoot. I usually recommend lowering protein first and then going from there. Um, I would never recommend having your fat go lower than protein on a contest prep or extreme dieting unless um and, and unless you're the athlete and your body is just flat out craving more uh protein than it is fat and if that's the case and that's when you have to, that's when the coach has to listen to the athlete and go okay what's your body telling you what's working and what's not working and and you can't argue with results if somebody's doing great on 120 grams of protein and 60 70 grams of fat uh my re- my recommendation would be, would be to get those fats up as soon as you can But if you but if you're otherwise healthy and you're feeling okay and you're and and you're and you're looking great and hitting your aesthetic goals, I don't think you're really doing any damage there. So that's my two cents. Mark, what do you think, pal?
0: I was going to say the exact same thing that you said at the end. It doesn't make a difference what you do. If you're getting the person results, then that's that's all that matters. So for me, it depends on the person. So for me, I like to do an aggressive approach when I'm taking on somebody, because most of the people that I take on, it's either a health issue or they're pretty much really, really obese. So I wanna get them in shape pretty quickly. So I will always titrate the protein first. Um, I'll start off with probably a slightly higher uh, fat intake just to keep them full, because I know if I switch it around a little bit and I keep the protein full and bring down the fats, when we go back to gluconeogenesis it's going to be pretty much the same it's going to have the same effect as carbohydrates they're going to be they're going to be craving more food they're going to be craving more sugar so i want to make sure i switch that hormone off straight away i want to make sure because most of the people that come to me they're always hungry so they want to lose weight they can't stop eating so that's when i'm saying right okay i need to control this first how can i actually control this how can i switch this off very very quickly so this is where i need to basically make sure the protein needs are on point but I also need to make sure that with that protein, it's slightly higher on the fat. So let's say I have someone come to me and I have to mind, i say 150 grams of protein. I would probably go another 10 or 20 grams higher just to start off with a bait, just to start off exactly like that. And then I'll see how they feel. If they're coming back to me and saying, I'm, I'm feeling full, I can hardly I can hardly finish the food. I have loads of energy. I'm able to go to the gym. All this kind of stuff, then that's, I'm saying, sweet. We can actually do this now for a couple of weeks. I'll have a look at the pictures. If the weight is coming down nice and slowly, then I'm looking at it, I'm saying, yeah, this is perfect. So we can just keep on um, maintaining this. When we get to a sticking spot, then and then they're saying to me, like, I'm, I'm craving more food, this is when I will actually then increase the protein. So which we started off at 170, 170 fat. I'm actually going to increase the protein up now to around 170s. And I'm gonna basically have a one-to-one ratio between 170 and 170 fats. At this stage, then this they, they'll still drop, they'll still drop weight pre- pretty much quick very quickly. Because now I'm focusing on satiety. I'm focusing on basically that they're not hungry all the way through this. And then it's just basically what I'm just basically gradually what I'm doing is just how I see it I'm on a weight to weight basis. So if the weight starts stalling or they're not dropping weight anymore, that's when I'll say, right, okay, it's either a matter of titrating the protein down or up or titrating the fats up or down.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, brilliantly said both of you. I don't have much to add add to that really. Um, I'll probably emphasize both of the points that you made um, specifically about having the right start point. So getting your protein and fat grams right at the start. So the way you'd know that is measuring your training performance, um, fatigue, recovery levels, things like that. Um, How you feel during the day your mood if your food intake is too low whether it be fat or protein you'll soon know about it your weight will drop and you'll feel like crap and you won't sleep very well you'll be moody So you might then at that point raise it a little bit and where the expertise of having a coach like colt mark or myself comes in is understanding which different subjective or objective markers we have and then identifying whether we need to increase protein or fat in, in response to that marker. Um, so for, for me in the example, if I was very lean, um, but say I was very close to contest shape, there wouldn't be much harm in me actually increasing my protein if I wanted to reach a high level of satiety. Um, there's studies on overfeeding where people have been given 3.4 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. I believe it's body weight. And they've not actually had reduced results in terms of fat loss. Um, the same, On the same token, Colt did mention the point of excess gluconeogenesis, the point where your body is producing glucose in excess of what is needed by the body's ability to perform work. If that happens, then you have a higher likelihood of random cycle activation, therefore higher systemic inflammation, therefore more likely to also gain fat. Um, mm-hmm. Chance are you'll also have a high level of glycation, which is by nature inflammatory, which will make you more um, likely to have type two diabetes and things like that. So yeah, in theory, people can actually become diabetic on a ketogenic diet, if you eat too much protein, too much fat then yeah, there's a surplus in your body. So it's not a, um, a one-size-fits-all fit approach and you can't just eat all the protein and fat. Um, of course, it's gonna be less damaging than eating carbs, but I really don't think that people realize that there's no way out of um, keeping to a sensible eating plan, you know? So, and on the point that you said about, um, well, the question's asking about titrating protein so low. Um, people usually react too get higher level of ketosis. That just refers to the ketones that are in your blood at that given time. Um, It kind of suggests that you're more fat adapted to some extent. Um, But the thing is if people chase those ketones to a too high of a degree, it can be problematic for things like um, electrolyte balance. So some people can get heart palpitations, weakness, fatigue, tremors, restless legs at night. If they're ketogenic state goes too high. Um, So the way you get around that basically is eating enough protein in one single hit, which will spike insulin to allow electrolytes to shuttle into tissue selectively and appropriately as needed by the human body. Um, Another thing as well, um, the best sort of the best science I've read basically says something like 0.5 to three units or whatever that happens to be, um, whatever the measurement is, is optimal for the ketogenic diet in terms of getting the most amount of benefits for your buck. So the most health benefits you'll receive from a ketogenic style diet, whether it be carnivore or keto itself, will be from 0.5 to around three. And beyond that is more practical and uses of things like epilepsy, um, cancer treatment, perhaps, things like that. But yeah, it comes down to getting your protein, and fat grams right, um, depending on your goals. I know Mark really elaborated very well on that point. Um, so, for example, a very overweight, weight, obese uh, client of his will ideally drop as much fat as possible. And that's going to get them to a healthier state quicker. Um, and then of course, Mark will make changes from that point to increase a protein or fat or whatever to try and make it so it's more sustainable for them. Um, but sometimes it's a case of getting the fat off faster than not um, becoming unhe- unhealthy, so to speak. But yeah, that's pretty much why I think a lot of people titrate the protein so low. I don't think it's beneficial really. I think people that are in, probably watching this video are focused on body composition, so they're looking at building muscle, losing fat. Um, some markers in the blood aren't that useful. I think that we should look at our performance as a whole and see is what we're doing in terms of the diet beneficial or not.
0: Yeah. And when I look at the other side, let's say if I have someone that comes on to me and it's, it's, it's the other side, she's not, she's not obese, but she's quite thin, but she's carrying a bit of a belly. This is all down to pretty much, you can see it straight away. It's just all down to insulin. She's, it's just all down to carbohydrates the protein is very, very low. You you look at you look at what she's been eating, and most of it is processed. And you can see, well, okay, out, out on the outside she looks very, very thin, but on the inside she feels absolutely miserable. And this is this is another reason why women in general they just don't eat enough fat and protein. They just think that when it comes to a diet, just eat I can eat wherever I want as long as I'm focusing on it. It's just a calorie balance here, if I focus on calories then I should be okay, where it's not, it's pretty much the opposite. You're actually destroying your hormones, you're destroying your metabolism, you're feeling like shit on a daily basis. And then just going back to what I said about built the obese people, when I do an aggressive cut, it's kind of like someone that goes into a bodybuilding show. When you're, like, say, the last, let's say, six or eight weeks out from a show, the last thing you're, you're going to be focusing on is trying to build muscle. You're just trying to maintain it. You're just trying to strip off as much body fat as possible. That's I have the same mindset. I'm just trying to strip off as much body fat as possible. So when they get lean, then I can start reversing the fill back up again, I start adding some muscle onto the body, and we'll take from there. Love it. What are your, what are your macros right now, Mark? Yeah. Uh, 185. No one, yeah. 185 protein. And I think it's, I think it's 185. You had you all the
2: way up to 240 fat. So you must've been. 240. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew it was a little yeah. higher than that. Okay. I knew it was higher So you're 1, 185 protein, 240 yeah. fat and 18 weeks out. So what do you yeah. think you're going to do? What, do? what do you think we should do when we start cutting you in? probably like two or three weeks.
0: Yep. The protein will come down because I know the reason why I'm feeling very, very bloated at the moment is because of the protein. My, when I look at my size and I shouldn't be eating anywhere near the <laughs> yeah. amount of protein. That I yeah, eat. you weigh. I'm, I'm quite, I weigh 130 exactly. pounds. So I should be only roughly in between maybe 1.2, I would say, per pound of body weight. Um, I know the reason why I'm walking around blowing is because of the is because of the protein. Because I'm on quite high fast and I feel good, I have loads of energy. So I, I know it's not that. So I know that the first thing I'll probably do is decrease the protein, see how see how I feel. Yeah. That's how I'll you should feel there. the start
2: of any prep is it should feel like a relief to not have to eat as much food. That's kind, yeah. kind of the goal.
0: Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I no, I don't feel stuffed. I don't feel stuffed at all. I just feel full. I right? know... The, the majority of that yeah. fullness is come from the protein. I'm eating well over what I would consider uh, a lot of protein from my from my body size
1: because I'm only
0: a small ch- I'm only a small guy. I'm o- I only weigh one hundred thirty. I'd say for me, I probably only need probably around one hundred sixty, maybe one hundred fifty. That'd be probably my limit. And then I'd say when I get close to the show, I'll probably. be they will probably be below one hundred. Yeah, I think on around grind 18.
2: week, grind week is what I call the week before peak week because peak week is a is a breeze if you did your is if if you did your prep properly. But that second week out is kind of the nightmare. Um, yeah. That one, yeah, your protein might mm. get as low as like ninety grams. Um, we'll keep your fat as high as absolutely yeah. possible because we're shooting for about four percent body fat. But yeah, man, mm. you're gonna look like a beast, absolute monster. Mm.
0: Brian, but I know I know the difference between what I used to do in the past to get shredded. I know it's not gonna it's not gonna affect me anywhere near mentally than what I did before when I did like the cardio and I brought the food down so low. Um I brought my protein. I the thing you see the thing the thing with me was and we we all went through this ourselves, that when we taught when we we're taught about the whole fitness thing and drop weight, we we're always told to increase the protein. So I know when I drop down I looked shredded. I was really, really shredded. I think at the time I was, I was eating about maybe around yeah. 220 protein at the time. And it's a, and a shitload of veg. And I, I made looked, I, I looked really well, but my yeah. God, those, 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 v- those
2: vegetables are easy to get carried away because on contest prep, you're like, Oh, it's free calories, free calories, right? That's what every coach tells, <laughs> tells, tells their athletes. Yeah. Eat as many vegetables as you want. And as, long, and as long as it's fiber, just make sure your net carbs stay below 30 grams or whatever. And, uh that uh, you, you you can really abuse that i did um every yeah every single sunday was yes. just brussels sprouts and freaking broccoli and just like all the because i was just starving for like an enti- for like an entire year and yeah and i was i've never been able to be in tune yeah. with my satiety signals until going carnivore um tor- towards the towards the end of the tor- towards that's, the end of a that's pre- seen- pal that's when we have to start looking at you you look at your satiety signals and you acknowledge them and you follow them but you want to push the envelope envelope a little bit and eat a little bit more. So like, just for perspective, I weighed 200.2 pounds this morning. You weighed around 130 pounds and we're eating the exact same protein. Cause I'm on 190 grams of protein too. Um, anything lower, I'm going to get hungry from here on out. And, and I, and I know that, and that's okay because, um, my goal is more important than being full, <laughs> right? Uh, my, uh, how, how how I how I look and do it and do at this show is gonna is more important to me uh, and more important to my business than uh, having a full satisfied stomach and how good my food tastes. But my food tastes freaking awesome. But yeah, and then when you get and then when you get in the contest prep, you get that you get to that point to where you see your satiety signals and you have to guess and go under a little bit. And it's emotional, like the when you, when you when you realize ah, I really don't want to eat any less, but it's getting close to the wire and here we are. Um, I got to pull back from somewhere. That's when you start that, that's, that's when you just got to look in the mirror and assess how you feel and go, okay, what do I, what, what, what am I eating right now? That's serving my body the absolute, uh, least out of everything. And, and for, and for 99% of people, yeah, it's carbs. Exactly, Get rid of yeah, that and you're good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cole, yeah, just to more, highlight one 100%. key point which you made at the very, very start mm-hmm. about egg whites and egg yolks, um, when people are lowering their protein intake a lot, I mean people that are just for whatever reason, they're trying to lower protein intake to have a higher fat to protein ratio for whatever reason. Um, just make sure that those protein sources you are having are as nutrient dense as possible. Yeah. So if you're getting leaner and leaner and leaner, like you said, in the case of the egg yolks versus the egg whites, you want to keep in as many of those nutrient dense foods as humanly possible. Yeah, because I noticed this myself in the past. If I would eat, um, like, if I'd go on a binge after competition, like five, six years ago, I'd think, "Oh, I'm going to eat this chocolate bar, this packet of sweets." My body wasn't as much; it was a, it was kind of craving macronutrients like substrates, energy. It was craving nutrition like micronutrients. Yeah, I think a lot of people just see it as the macros, but they almost miss that um, key part there. So yeah, I'm glad you highlighted that point.
2: Thanks. Yeah, you know, you know your di- You know your diet's on point when you're craving more of the exact same food. If you're hu- if you're hungry and you yeah. want pizza or or like, or like even something hi- hyper palatable, hyper hi- palatable like bacon or pork rinds or keto bricks or any or any or like or like a keto meal replacement bar or something. Just because it's keto or carnivore doesn't mean that you um, d- doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good idea to eat it or that your body needs it. But if you're eating. Like right, right now, right now I'm eating uh, pretty much all beef, right? So I'm pretty much on a, um, like a modified lion diet with the addition of keto bricks. So eat my half a keto brick. And then from there, it's, it's, it's just, it's just beef and butter from craving beef, more beef, craving butter, more butter. Um, and then when I start getting to that point to where I know I'm going to be full, uh, I'll stop just a little bit shy of it. And that's kind of been landing me around 190 grams of protein and 200 50 grams of fat lately so starting to get kind of hungry and flat towards the end of the week and then that's when um uh, this week i'm going to start implementing refeeds which i wanted to run by you guys of curiosity um yeah here we go so this is going to be 30 percent more what do you think of that the so one day a week uh 250 protein 330 fat in the past whenever i've done high fat refeeds i can maintain my conditioning pretty well and fill out pretty well um but i'll fill out bigger if, if I refeed on protein, um, I kind of like doing just a little bit of each. This is this is this is more just kind of the the way that Robert Sykes does it, and, and more and more standard. And the purpose of the refeed, of course, is to reset my metabolism and my thyroid, and fill out and fill out because I want to be big on stage.
0: <laughs> yeah, I w- yeah, I would just base it on how you feel. Like if you feel if you feel you have no energy or you're very very low in energy. And then yeah, I would put it in. And I just I wouldn't put it in every week though. I just put it in, and I would base it on how you feel.
2: Yeah, I got I got four weeks, and since I'm stepping on stage on a Saturday, I think I'm just going to do every Friday. And if I feel like I need a refeed on Friday, then great, I can do it. And if I feel full and otherwise fine, I guess there's no reason to, right? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, this might go on off on a bit of a tangent, but Colt, you have perhaps years and years worth of data from your nutrition tracking, Mm -hmm. like protein and fat grams. And you know, for example, you've got like progress photos, Oh, I look this way on these macros, Mm -hmm. my body size is this on this of nutrition intake. Um, What I'll probably be looking at is what you looked on different macros in the past and try and almost match that or use that data to emulate the look you're trying to go for on stage so if you're looking to go on stage at like six percent body fat to do a guest posing I find out what you're doing at that point in time um, and the idea of refeeds in this instance like if like what Mark said where you're tired fatigued you're feeling flat just crappy like miserable basically um, then yeah I would probably personally do a two-day refeed around about 20% more than what you're currently doing um, but like Mark said it 20% you know, you might hit the mark on 21%. So I would go more so by feel, but it's always good to have a guideline in your head. So you know, okay, I'm not going to overdo it. I'm going to eat 80% more. I'm just going to eat, you know, a rough ballpark so maybe 15 to 20% over two days. Um, I'm more of a fan of two days. Personally, I think it works a bit better to upregulate the metabolic rate. Um, you just have to expect and as I'm sure you understand the days preceding that, you're then going to have a high appetite because your metabolic rate will be higher. So you can either, A, use that and rest and digest and kind of chill for a bit and get your body back to baseline, feel a bit better, or you can use the energy in the gym and dig deeper. So it's, it's up to you based on your goals, really. But yeah, one or two day refeed, um, 20% maybe over two days or 15, 15 or 30 one day, it's up to you. Sounds cool. good. Cool,
2: appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, guys. Are you tracking yeah. your macros right now, Jonathan?
1: oh yeah. yeah yeah I've been doing it for about eight years straight now <laughs>
2: it's like, like once, once you start and, and you do it for a living you just can't stop huh?
1: <laughs> it's crazy honestly I've looked back at my macros over the years and I've been my diet's been all over the place like, what's funny is guys my my if you look at the calories my calories doesn't often match my my weight at the time mm-hmm. I've been on as high as six and a half thousand calories and weighed the same what I do now and if you looked at my calories now I'll be on uh three and a half, for four thousand calories, so like two fifty protein, two fifty fat, and about fifty carbs. But the thing is, I'm leveraging carbohydrates through dairy, so eggs and loads of raw milk, mm-hmm. um, to elevate my insulin, so I don't actually have to eat as much. That keeps weight on. So I'm in I'm in a weird space right now because I don't really want to eat much more food because I'm stuffed anyway. Um, I'm I'm very sedentary, guys. So I don't have mm. um, a, f- a very fast digestive rate, so. It, that comes into it as well. So you can manipulate macronutrients almost to um, change your, your body composition and your sort of performance outcomes. But at the same time, it's not optimal to be on any carbohydrates. But for me right now, it's kind of a, I'm at a spot where mm. I can't eat much more food, but I'm trying really hard to get my fat-free mass up to 92 kilos, which is my current goal by probably Christmas at this mm. point.
0: <laughs> awesome. Mm. I was in the... Pro- I was in the very, very same position. I remember speaking to you, Jonathan, and Colt, a few weeks ago. I think it was a few months ago, actually, when I, I was just playing around with my food. I kept on pushing my food up and up and up and up. And I know for a fact I was in and around 4,000 calories. I know for a fact I was. But I was getting bleeding leaner. And I wasn't putting a pound on the scales. Like I think about four or five weeks, not, I'd never gained one pound on the scales. I, I kept on ch- looking at it every week, and I was around 63. And it never, bugs, it never bugs one bit. And I, I was eating a shitload of food, but it all came down to just fat and protein. And I was like, why isn't the scales not moving? i <laughs> looking a lot later.
2: Yeah, I think that when, when – J- Jonathan, when I, had your, when, when I had you on my show like a couple years ago or whatever for the first time and you told me how many calories you were eating going into the show, I was like, okay, if that doesn't prove that calories literally don't mean crap, uh, I don't know what does because – yeah, yeah, I got because yeah, my, yeah, my, 100, my 100. calories, whatever that means, got all the way down to seventeen hundred uh, in in two thousand nineteen, and yeah. I got leaner in two thousand twenty two for my shows and was eating. They, they got as low as twenty three hundred. Never got below that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and when I, when I when I did the whole when I did the whole six meals a day. To get really, really lean, I, I, I went down to just below sixteen hundred calories, and I was dying inside, literally dying. I was like, "No, this isn't. This is not sustainable." I'm glad I'm not gonna be doing this for long. And I was honest to God. I was inside. Yeah. I was feeling like shit. And and now I know. I am pretty sure when we start leaning down, I'm not gonna be anywhere near that amount of calories. So I'm not, when I look at when I look at what I look like right now. I think I'm gonna be quite lean, probably nineteen, maybe two thousand calories. Yeah, so we stopped tracking higher. your calories
2: after we debunked that stuff in February, but um you are I think around twenty eight hundred calories right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have a big push for the calories at all. I think I think I'll be quite I think I'll be quite lean in around nineteen hundred. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but I don't think I need to go anywhere near 16 or 1500 calories that's just in my opinion
2: <laughs> you're the we boss, boss. Spe- speaking speaking of the other boss jonathan question for you pal um on you you made you made a comment earlier about chronic uh deep ketosis that that can be problematic that it can cause inflammation and there can be a number of other health sh- health issues with it when my wife was on uh when, when she was in deep ketosis for quite some time she started experiencing hair loss so we just basically doubled her protein and she wasn't in ketosis anymore but that seemed to fix that problem um i'm I'm curious uh so 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 i'm in i'm in deep ketosis every single day like between 35 to 40 aces which is pretty much maxing out my breath ketone monitor um is that something i should be concerned about do you think that my goal in these refeeds to should be to temporarily get out of ketosis mark what what do you what do you think guys
1: yeah, um, I think for some people it can be a, an issue, it depends on their genetic heritage. So some people be of an ancestry where they've been on a high ketogenic state for the majority of their history. Um, and some people like myself, I feel horrendous. When my ketones would get too high. I'd say two or three is about as high as I'd get, then beyond that I just felt anxious and horrible. Um, hmm. That's my own individual feeling, how my body runs basically, so it's not it's not hard and fast rule, um, saying that the reason why a lot of people have hair loss in um, cases where they're sort of low protein, very high fat, high ketogenic state is because they're often deplete or deficient in certain minerals like selenium. Um, and also they might be lower in protein, so therefore they're lower in um, things like tyrosine, which help regulate thyroid output. It's, um, a so It's not a regulator, it's a precursor. Mm-hmm. Then another thing as well as carnitine, which is found in animal foods that modulates thyroid up as well. So if you're eating low protein, you're quite susceptible to issues of thyroid. Um, then that would, you know, thyroid and hair loss, like they tend to go hand in hand. People with a low thyroid level or high thyroid level tend to get hair loss, basically. Um, so I think you have, although people look at the protein and fat, it's also the minerals contained with the protein itself, which you simply would not get free fat because fat just c- contains for the most part A, D, E and K, so fats so all vitamins. It's not going to have selenium in it. It's not going to have iodine in it, things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, for you, Colt, I don't think it'd be much of a problem. If you've been doing it for so long, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't do anything with that. Um, you've been doing it for such a long time now. I mean, I've seen your stuff on Instagram. I know you're in a very ketogenic state for pretty much all the time, it's not a problem for you. So I wouldn't worry about it. Um, and yeah, occasionally spiking protein for a couple of days, um, you'll get a big insulin bump, um, some conversion to glucanogenesis to glucose. Um, and therefore, you'll probably have a better pump in the gym. Um, so if you were at all glycogen depleted, you'd have some supercompensation effect and therefore more electrolytes pumped in your system. Um, but that would eventually go away after the weekends. But I take advantage of it personally
2: yeah 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 i would agree thanks guys um thyroid i know that's kind of your department mark um when someone has when someone has a low thyroid or when they have hair loss um from being in a ketogenic state for for too long how do you usually go how do you usually go about troubleshooting that
0: first protocol is to increase the fat intake okay that's the first part. So once if, they're, if, they're, if they've they're got a low thyroid or they're losing hair, the first protocol is to increase the fats. So you'll pretty much increase the fats by, say, let's say about, about 20%. Then you'll have a look at the protein. If the protein is too low, you'll actually increase the protein as well. So you want to make sure they're pretty much close together. But I would definitely favor a higher fat intake at first um that should that should speed up the process that should fix the, that should fix pretty much everything pretty much straight away within a couple of days i know when we did this with taylor i think within a week we were pretty much okay Stress started feeling better like the next day hair loss had... yeah yeah so you could see there was an awful lot of stress there everything was going pretty much backwards um, but 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 when we when we increase the fats up a small bit, that pretty much I think I got a text message off Taylor within a couple of days telling me that everything has improved pretty much straight away. Um, and you can see to this day now it's actually she's blossoming. She looks a lot better. She feels a lot healthier. So and you can see that we've actually messed around with our macros ever since then. But she's still to this day on Dude, a high. So I think my intake.
2: favorite phone notifications my favorite app on my phone right now is whatsapp because these this group message i'm in between you and taylor is just it's amazing it's her sending you progress pictures me me looking over them (laughs) and and her telling you how she feels and you going back and forth and uh man you you've just you have helped her to feel and look so much better man to the point to where she's so much more comfortable in her own
0: skin and uh i owe you a big one for that No problem. No, no, because I, I could see there was a not when I seen Taylor at first, I was like, Okay, what's she doing? Over, um, overtraining, and the she said to charcoal, me, bang. Well, in our macros. Said, yeah. Too, too much too much of it. Yeah. And our fat intake was way too low. And this is the this is the reason why our yeah. hormones were all over the place. She was she was very moody. She was very cranky. Her energy was very, very low. It was just a matter I of can, just tweaking I, the I, macros. And I, and I can vouch for all that. I'm just kidding. I'm just, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's how I fix it. I feel I can I can pretty much fix the tire tyroid issue in the female pretty much within a week. Because it's usually a fat it's fat it's usually it's it's usually a fat problem. And it's it's not down to it's down to the quality of the of the like Jonathan was saying, the quality of the food. So I'm not giving people like oils and butter and shit like that. I'm saying like listen. Eat quality meat and make sure the fat make sure the fat is actually on the meat make
2: Simple.
0: sure the fat's on the meat i like that yeah yeah like, i could be saying to people like add in add in olive oil add in butter add in coconut oil but first of all it's going to be costly it's going to be costly going kind of costly whereas if you get your meat sources and you get a high high piece of steak or lamb or pork you're going to have all the good essential fats you need pretty much on that on that meat and that's where you're going to get, that's when you're going to risk the rewards, that's where you're going to risk the benefits, that's what's actually going to make the improvements in your life very, 100%. very quickly.
2: Good stuff, guys. Thanks for that, dude. Uh, question, should we move into fa- uh, failure, concentric failure versus, versus eccentric failure? I know we were talking about that a bit before we started recording. Um, apparently, I knew what I was doing, but apparently I don't. So um, perhaps one of you could enlighten me as to the difference between the two.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'll explain the, the two parts. Okay. So the eccentric part of the lift is basically the contraction part of the lift. Okay. So when you, when you say do a bicep curl and you're lifting her up, that's that, that's basically what the eccentric part is. When you lower the weight, that's the concentric part. Now, when you, when you actually lower the weight, you're actually doing more damage to the muscle. So you're not actually, you're not actually damaging the muscle, but you are, like when, you, when we look at trying to build a muscle, you want to make sure you're failing pretty much on both areas, the eccentric and the concentric. Now, what for me, I always make sure that my clients and myself also, I always make sure I fail on the concentric because we're a lot stronger in that area. So let's say I'm doing a chest press and I just cannot lift that weight anymore, like I'm done. I know I can hold on to that weight for an extra 10 seconds before I actually let go of that weight. So, say on a machine now i would never do that on say a compound exercise because of safety reasons but that's pretty much what it is in a nutshell when when you look at a muscle you want to make sure you're failing on both areas and not just on one you're, you're not failing just pretty much on the eccentric so a lot of people probably go into the gym say right okay i'll just lift the weight up and once i've lifted the weight up that's it i'm done i just re-rack the weight and i'm done i'm finished no you want to make sure you're taking the muscle through complete and not your failure so if like we, mentioned it, we were mentioning, we are talking about this earlier on about time under tension or making the set even longer. Um, I know Jonathan was saying to me like he favors a, a longer time limit. I know you do it sometimes call it as well. I am pretty much like when, when I'm lowering the weight, I'll probably do about two or three second counts, probably four. And I'll actually explode the weight, but I'll make sure when I explode the weight up, I'm doing that safely. So it's probably a, a one or two second counts. Um, I'm making sure I can, I'm in complete control of that weight. But I'll always make sure when I'm completely done, I'm not I'm not failing on the eccentric part of it. I'm failing on the concentric. And that means lowering the weight on the way down.
2: Wow. Right on. OK, so. If you fail at the top of the exercise, I, I guess my impression has been that's failing. Um, that's concentric failure. At least that's what, that that's what I, I guess makes sense in my brain. Right. So, um, so it's like it's like I was doing hack squats. So, time. OK. So, I did 190 pounds for 10 reps, yeah. meaning that I could get the weight up. And I obviously could have lowered it if I wanted to, but I didn't, I wanted to save my energy for all four sets, right? So I failed at the top for yeah. 10 reps, failed at the top for 10 reps, failed at the top again for nine reps. And then on the last set, I got nine reps again, but took 20 seconds to lower it. And that's the one that I tagged you and Jonathan on because I was like, all right, I want to make sure that I'm doing this one properly. And then when I, and then when I was at the bottom, I mean, obviously I couldn't get that weight back up. I could barely even walk away from, away from the, um, from the leg press, Mm. right. Or excuse me, from the hack squat. So I guess in my brain, that was three sets to concentric failure and one set to eccentric failure, but maybe I had this all backwards. Mm
0: no no you, you, you're, you're you're yeah you have it you have it but what i would say there is i still think that what you're doing in your sets you're you're doing an awful lot of wasted sets that's that's my only thing i would say because when you're going in to do a set and you're saving energy for your next set and then you're going to your next set and you're saving energy for your next set i'm looking at that i'm saying like why are we wasting energy when you should be just going into your main set so i wouldn't be doing like reps of nine eight sevens all that kind of stuff I would be starting off with probably maybe a five repper. The next one a three repper, and then the, the the set that you intend on doing, I'll just do a one rep. I'll go straight in and I'll attack that set. Attack it all the way. Now, when we look at the likes of exercise that you did today, like the likes of the, the hack squat and the leg press and stuff like that, these exercises are a lot safer because we can rack we can rack it and we can so we can take these to. To complete another muscular failure, whereas if we go in underneath a barbell and we're doing a squat, it's very very hard to take a barbell squat to complete another failure because you're gonna you're gonna smash something up, you're gonna destroy yourself. It's not gonna work. And the same with like that's why I always favor comp. I always favor machines. I always favor cables because you can take pretty much a muscle. To complete another failure. Yeah, I haven't, haven't, I haven't done, done, done any barbell back squats and this is or not front
2: the... squats ever since we made that front squat training video a few weeks ago. It's, it's just, mm. I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling way better on on, on Bulgarian split squats. Um, anything, anything to where I can end on the way down uh, safely. So like the exercise is completely done, the machine's on the floor, right, and and it, and it's not going back up, and you can yeah. walk away very safely from an exercise like that
0: exactly yeah so let' okay so let's say i'm doing a leg press and i get the last rep up like I, sure. i'm i'm giving everything on the way up so i'm I'm really really screaming in my head i'm gonna get this last rep up i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say to myself okay i got that weight all the way up there now i'm gonna rock it no i'm gonna hold on to that weight for as long as i possibly can on the way down so i'm gonna try and hold on for about fifteen or 20 seconds and then at the at the at the bottom, I might actually hold that static hold for an extra five seconds. That to me, then my muscles are shaking, my muscles are in bits. That's where I've done the most damage. Now, if I if I take that set to that and that amount of damage, my body and my brain is going to tell me there's absolutely no reason why you need to go back and do that set
2: because I'm going to be yeah, a lot you, weaker. When you told me that your my last set. leg day so was I, nine say, sets and that you could barely walk coming out of the gym, I was like. Oh my god! This guy's gonna come over and coach me through a leg day. Like, <laughs> all right, here we go. So yeah, so 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 so, to the, so I'm today like, it was 18 workouts. That's quite a bit less than I normally do, but I was hoping to make you
0: proud. <laughs> no, as I said, you're, you're doing quite well. And as I said, uh, Colt, what I do works for me. What you do works for you. What yeah. what works for Jonathan works for Jonathan. It comes down. It comes down to wanting. And that's your recovery capabilities. If you're recovering and you're getting stronger, like the way I see it is, when we look at DOMS, if you're if you're in pain for about a week after leg training, you're doing something wrong. That's in my opinion. Um, I I know when we look at back up, like when Mike Mencia used to train, he used to train like squats probably once or twice a month. But when you look at the, the the amount of volume that he used to do, it was insane. Whereas when I go into the gym, again, all I do is just one set. So I'm quite I'm quite yeah. like Jerome. Jerome goes into the gym, he'll probably do low low sets. He'll go in, he'll pick a weight, and he'll take that weight. I, I'm not focusing on the reps. Well, I I am focusing on the reps. I make sure I'm making sure I'm pretty much in between eight and fifteen. Um but, but what I am focusing on is just the muscle. So as long as I take the muscle to, to complete a mus- muscular failure. And I'm progressing every week. I go back to my logbook and I say, right, I got one more rep there, or maybe I increased the weight there. I know I'm progressing. I know I'm getting stronger. If I'm progressing, I'm getting stronger. That's how my body's actually sure. going to change so, long-term. Um,
2: I'm, I'm try- I'm, so I am in an effort to decrease training volume right now, right? Because that's what we teach on, on contest prep and, and any kind of extreme dieting is if you're, if your goal is to simply maintain the muscle that you have and not build muscle, which is my goal right now, um, to reduce train to, to reduce training because you only need about, uh, 25 to 30% of the volume that it took to get that muscle in the first place to be able to maintain it once you have it. Um, so, so I'm probably, so the, the, yeah. the most logical thing to do would be just to reduce anything where I'm doing four exercises down to three exercises at this point. So would your style of workout be more something like, uh, okay, so my first exercise was four sets of Bulgarian split squats, knees over toes for the quads and uh 60 sets of 10 six, uh, excuse me 60 pounds for 10 reps 60 <laughs> 60 sets of 10 60 pounds for 10 reps 60 pounds for 10 reps uh for for all four sets so would your style workout look more like first one maybe 10 or 11 reps second one eight reps and then the last one like six or seven and and then just move on to the next exercise
0: yeah so y- yeah so I think Jonathan might agree with me on this. I think that the deeper you go when you're when you're actually shredding and you're looking to get you get get in shape, I think the volume in yeah. the gym has to be de- decreased. I think the worst thing you can actually do is For increase sure. your your volume in the gym so i think a, I think a lot of people when they look to they, they look to get stage ready they add in like drop sets and fucking super sets and all this shite. i i don't see I don't see the sense in this at all because you've worked so hard over that year or whatever it is in the off season to grow the muscle. You want to look dense on stage. You don't want to look bleeding soft. So you, if anything, you should be still chasing your numbers in the prep phase. So you might be as strong as you were in the off season, but you still you still should be trying to maintain and still ch- chase those numbers. So let's say I go into a chest press and in the off season, let's say I'm, I'm six weeks out from a show. And like say four weeks ago, I could lift say ninety pounds on a chest press, and I, I've lost two reps. I'm gonna go into that set, and I'm gonna try and get those two reps. Because that's my mindset. I'm not going into this, I'm not going into the into that into that exercise and going easy, and lighten the weight or slow down the movements. I'm I'm still chasing my numbers because I know what I was doing in the off season was good form. So I need to do that pretty much six weeks away from show, from the show. So I need to keep chasing. If you keep chasing your logbook, that's how you're actually going to see the most progress, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think, I mean, looking back to Colt's video just a second ago on Instagram. um, The way I kind of approach training is every rep should look the same. Um, The only thing is the tempo of the rep, especially in the pushing or the concentric portion, would naturally slow down so you're pushing the load as hard as you can, then as you go through the repetitions, the level of fatigue picks up. So you shouldn't be doing one up, one down, one up, one down, one up, one down. it should be like one up, if you're doing it that way, maybe one up, one down, 1.1 up, 1.1 down, 1.2 up. So the the actual duration it takes you to lift the weight will be longer because you've got um, fewer muscle fibers ready to go. They're more fatigued, they're more tired out. You can't use fast twitch muscle fibers indefinitely. Um, so where I'd be looking at a set would be to yep. perhaps try and standardize your concentric kind of rep speed. So I know, I think Mark might mention my, my sort of speed at moments, maybe three or four seconds up and maybe four or five seconds down. Um, that's the kind of temper that I like, but it does vary depending on the exercise. I think five seconds down is sufficient for virtually any exercise that you do in the gym. Um, to maintain form, to still allow you to contract the muscle fibers without flinging it, and using elastic strength kind of thing. Um, so yeah, and just to touch on like the concentric versus eccentric failure kind of thing. Um, we don't need to train to either of those failures, but the problem is we are, the way that Mike Mensa explains it is we we have either zero percent or one hundred percent in terms of what we can achieve in the gym and what our capacities are. So we know that if I'm sat here right now whilst we're recording this podcast, I'm shoulder pressing with zero intensity because I'm not even doing anything. Um, if I then shoulder press and I can no longer mm. hold the weight, that is 100%. When the weight squashes me, that is 100%. So we have zero or 100%. So people often look at something called reps in reserve or perceived level of exertion, something like that. And I say, oh, I've got an eight out of 10. I'm like, well, how are we going to measure 80%? It's going to be too inaccurate. So my way, which is um, based on logic and principle really, is to always train to at least concentric muscular failure to maximise your gains. But at the same time, I'm not saying that you have to do that. Um, It's just a more efficient way of doing it. So Mm. by doing the bare minimum in one given set and training as hard as you can in one set, that's going to provide you all the stimulus that you need to adapt and grow from. Um, Doing more of less isn't better. More, do, doing one crap set than doing four crap sets or five crap sets. is just five crap sets. Um, people talk about the German volume training and saying, Oh, I've done 10 sets of 10. Yeah, you'll get a lot of systemic fatigue. Yeah, um, try, 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 30 flux. try
2: 30 or 40 sets of squats and deadlifts and throughout throughout the entire day. That's where I was at like around o- October before I yeah. was around you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm too old for that. Go. I'm too knackered for that. But um, oh, yeah, um, yeah, the, the thing is, you're just doing more of less, your muscles know, am I going to adapt from this stimulus or not? You can do it 10 times over, but how long are you going to do jump volume training? You know, how long, how often are you going to do that 10 times over mm-hmm. forever, forever? I mean, people use it as, um, almost like an, uh, an intensifier or, or an adjunct to your mainstay of training, which should be progressive overload, good form, good technique. Um, safe, effective exercise, things like that, things that Mark sort of outlines quite often. Um, that's kind of how I go about it. So the idea is to do the minimal effective dose. Um, and the same is true if someone was looking at their medications. Um, if someone's like, oh, I'm in a lot of pain, I'm going to take some paracetamol. Well, okay, you don't take six, because mm. in one study it said take six. You take one, oh, that didn't do anything to me. Oh, take two, mm. or one and a half, you know. You scale up from that you want the most effect for the least um, input in that sense. Um, and that from there, it makes it easier for you to yeah. scale out your recovery. So you've got more consistency. You're less likely to have time for the gym because you're less likely to be injured because you're performing less um, reps. And you're going to get more gains because you're giving your body the exact stimulus that it needs. So that's that's kind of how I, I take, take it when it comes to um, concentric and eccentric muscular failure. Um, but on the same token, you can do more volume, if you're an instance where, like myself, um, I can't do any kind of very, very heavy rowing movement, or at least some of them, I can't do them to a point where I'm getting to eccentric muscular failure. So I may add on volume on those sets as a almost like a a crutch to kind of kind of give you the same stimulus. But that is isn't optimal. That's my way of doing it safely yeah. while still giving my body something. It just means it's not the best case scenario so sometimes you have to go in the gym and just accept you're not going to do your best performance that day you have to do maybe more volume or less yeah. or less weight the same way someone might take a deload from training or a complete week off it's the same principle it's just auto-regulation basically
0: mm. yeah yeah I quite, yeah i agree like i said it's like if, I, if, I, if i'm down with the flu and i still want to go to the gym I'll probably go to the gym, but I probably won't take every muscular set to failure because I know that's gonna have a major effect on my CNS system. So I'll probably go into the gym, I might do one or two sets on each exercise, but I'll just play around with the sets. But like Jonathan says, I, I find the quickest way to grow is by just taking one set to failure. Now, other people might disagree with me and they say like, listen, no, the best way to grow is volume. But you have to consider like so many different things when people say that. Like lifestyle, are they on the juice? Like there's so many factors you need to is that consider. Apple when, apple juice or orange I know juice, a lot of people one? that I know. Apple juice, right? Okay, yeah, for sure. Apple juice. Apple juice once you drink that year you're bleeding. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll be you'll looking like David Popeye then. You'll be looking like, be looking like <laughs> <Jonathan's> <laughs> <around> <laughs> apple juice.
1: <laughs> nice guys. Um is there anything else we've got got today? So?
2: You, yeah, been, yeah, you know okay, so um so when no, I, I tagged you on Instagram, you said, nah, you just bounced it up and down for the first X amount of reps and decided to, sh- to show it down for the last rep. Eccentric failure should ideally be dictated by reduced speed from repetition one to repetition 10, for example. I'll explain later if you like. Yeah, which you pretty much just did. So thanks for that, man. So basically, cool. so, so so was I so right though in understanding that um, concent- concentric failure, if you fail like at a bicep curl, for example, you curl to the top and you get 10 reps, but if you go back, uh, you're not going to be able to get 11 reps. Does that mean that you hit concentric failure?
1: Yeah, so the point where you can no longer lift the weight, um, you can take it to the next level by cheating and doing a a cheat rep. Problem is that takes away from standardised form, so it could be unsafe. Um, So you would effectively be able to use momentum inertia to raise the weight up in a bicep curl, for example, in the concentric rep but you're digging further into recovery and it also yeah. becomes more unsafe. So it's it's very individual dependent. So in my in your case, Colt, yes, you might do a cheat rep for a curl, providing it's fine for your back and shoulders. But for me, I would never do it. So it's quite individual dependent. Um, isometric failure is just when you do the concentric failure, so you get it to the top, you then try and hold it in the peak position for as long as possible. Then when it starts to pull you down, you might then go to eccentric failure. So that's the point where you can no longer lower it any slower. Um, so the weight pulls you down, and when you get to that point, that's as as far gone as you can go, with the exception of doing um like a rest pause set, a drop set, something which is like a, a forced rep in a sense. So it's something yeah. extra on top of going to failure.
2: Yeah, awesome. Now I see why you guys' workouts are sh- so short, man. Because I've been not only doing this stuff, but tri- by training all of our athletes to do the same thing, and and Everybody's liking it. (laughs) They're they're like, "Wow, I'm out of of the gym like 30 minutes earlier." I'm like, "Yeah, you can take Jonathan. You can take Mark."
1: (laughs) Yeah, for me, like 45, 60 minutes done. And
0: see the, yeah. yeah. And see the number one, the number one factor I always make sure I look at when I'm looking at a client is just stress levels. Like, if someone comes to me and they're saying to me, "Like, geez, Mark, I've got a really busy schedule. I've got kids. Have I work eight hours, nine hours in the job?" The last thing I want to bleed and do is make them go into a gym Yeah, I mean, there, there are, they're already stressed the out of their minds what are you
2: going to do just... make them do something more stressful and tell them they can't right. eat all their favorite foods yeah great idea
0: <laughs> exactly all you want to do is just go in the gym stimulate the muscle half an hour you're done get out that's it feed the muscle that's how you're going to get results because it all comes down to what you put in your body it's not the training is the easy part
1: yeah the training's the fun part guys the dieting is the nuisance part which um i'm sure i mean i mean uh, mark you've employed cult to sort out your diet that's like one of the most stressful things to do because you have to constantly calculate things reassess mm-hmm. on almost a daily um, level when it comes to competing so yeah the training is the fun part guys I mm-hmm. think in my opinion yeah 100% mm-hmm.
2: um, Definitely. Yeah. I think we're, think we're about up I'm gonna thro- I'm gonna review with one case scenario if that's all right so I got a gal that's on 130 protein, 165 fat, seven weeks out from a bikini competition, Um, she's about 12-13% body fat. Um, And so kind of at the point to where we should probably start cutting now. Um, Not behind by any means though. So thinking about, she hasn't been doing any cardio at all. She's adding in a little bit here and there, kind of because her body's telling her she wants to, and she feels like it'll help her recovery. She's not hungry. Um, She's feeling great. She's still getting stronger every workout. Um, Glute development has come a long way the last couple months, rounder, fuller, a little bit leaner too. So I'm thinking that nothing really needs to change with her diet after this first week now that she's already implementing one variable. The next step is probably just gonna be to titrate down the protein first, huh guys?
1: Yeah, probably five or 10 grams, yeah probably five grams, run it for a week, see what happens. People that are very light and small, like uh, female competitors, five gram increments will do a lot for them, I think, especially over over a week, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we don't usually adjust it any more than that at one time.
0: Yeah, slowly, just bring it down slowly. Five to 10 grams is perfect.
2: Quick question to wrap up with, guys. Let's do this. Let's do do, do a fun one. the latest organ meat that you ate and why? Latest organ latest? meat. So last mean, time latest? that you ever ate an organ meat. I don't care if it was this week. I don't care if it was a year ago. You ate an organ. It could have been a liver. It could have been a brain. could have been a freaking butthole of a duck. What was it? I almost ate a butthole of a duck, though, because I ate the, the, the neck. <laughs> and my, my brother my brother was like, this, this, this is the neck. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't eat duck very often. And he was like... <laughs> He was like, just don't get them backwards. So, anyway, I kind of lost my appetite for duck after
0: that. (laughs) You
1: know, I I have a lamb I had a lamb brain.
2: A long, long brain. You had a lamb brain? Get out.
1: Not the whole brain, guys, but I had had a substantial amount, like a handful.
2: (laughs) Right on. How was it?
1: It tastes like scrambled eggs, guys. It just tastes like watery scrambled eggs, like nothing. If yeah. you, if, you, yeah. if I gave it to you, Mark, and you you just ate it, you wouldn't know what it was. You wouldn't <laughs> think, oh, it tastes rank or chemically or weird or really? irony or metallic. It just tastes like nothing. Like watery scrambled egg. Quite a weird jelly-like texture almost. Almost a bit a bit bubbly. But, yeah, yeah not too bad. <laughs> not, not
0: from me. I'll pass <laughs> so. doesn't do organs.
2: She just does the... T- 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 Taylor just I'll does pass. the brownie keto bricks. Them, they got, well. like, spleen and all kinds of stuff in them, kidneys. Um, my favorite organ, for sure, is pork. Yeah. Or, excuse me, not, not what, pork, but uh, uh, beef tongue, because it they... tastes like pulled pork, but, like, way better.
0: And what what did it taste like, uh, Called the new uh, keto here, with the beef and all these organs? Yeah, dude, that's a crazy it, what, thing. What, it, what tastes it tastes like? like a brownie.
2: Like, it tastes like a really good brownie, bro. And you look at the ingredients, and it just doesn't make sense. You're like, okay, there's beef heart, there's beef kidney, there's liver in here. There's, like... I, I, are, are you are you are you kidding me? Yeah, it tastes like a brownie. Yeah, no, it's bomb.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: I'll have to try one yeah. when I when I go over there.
1: Yeah, cool stuff. Right, all right that's us. I think. We... Um, all right, well that's right. enough for today. Thank you everyone for cho- tuning in. I hope you um, are able to find our private consultation links and coaching in the about info in the show notes of this episode. All of our Instagram handles are there as well. This lifestyle is what we do, it's who we are. This show is our way of paying forward what we've learned and continue to learn. Thank you for helping spread the knowledge. Make sure you're subscribed and welcome to, feel free to check in in session number 11 of Carnivore Coaches Corner.